And I shoot my shot, it's stuck a wild way it's going in. Cross niggas like Bubba Chuck, I never gave a fuck. Hook shot a hole like Kareem, but I never lead a fuck. I hit that Janobi with my left hand all like, woo! Bitch, you wild with me shooting in the gym? Wrong night, so I perform like Mike. Anyone, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson, action. James Harden with the range on me, nigga, way back. Michael Jordan, 1985, bitch, I travel with a cocaine search. And you can live through anything if magic made it. What are my fellow Nick fans? This is a guy Marcellus Ease. Don't panic quite yet. Now as things are heating up in the bubble, there's a lot of rumblings going on of why didn't the Knicks select Michael Porter Jr. in the 2018 draft, ninth overall instead of Kevin Knox. And like I always said to my fellow Knicks fans, don't panic quite yet. Now Michael Porter Jr. was slated to be a top five pick, but he fell all the way through in the draft to number 14th. So you had 13 teams pass up on him because of his back issues. Now, because he had a couple good performances during the bubble, everyone goes on that what if scenario. Oh man, did we whiff on this pick? We actually did not. I'm not necessarily saying Kevin Knox was the best pick, but having a guy available was the better decision. Now, before the bubble, Michael Porter Jr. only averaged seven points a game. And after it, he only got bumped up to nine points a game with four rebounds. It's nothing special, but with Michael Porter Jr., he was out his rookie season. So if the Knicks had drafted him, we would have had to wait a whole year just to see what he can do. And our season would have still had gotten cut short and there would have been no bubble. So all those little performances that he did, he wouldn't have that time and space to do all that. Also during this time period in 2018, the Denver Nuggets was working with a lot more talent as far as their depth chart than the Knicks were. So they knew drafting Michael Porter Jr. was gonna be an investment project, which they might not get his services until a year after. I mean, their depth chart was looking crazy. They had Paul Millsap, Will Barton, Malik Beasley, Nick Young, Monte Morris, Trey Lyles, Gary Harris Jr. From their starters to the bench, there's just not enough minutes for these guys to go around. So they had a nice enough cushion to draft a project player that might not pay dividends until a year later. The Knicks, we unfortunately did not have that breathing room. Our roster was very thin and we were desperate for talent. Now, speaking of talent, with all those players the Denver Nuggets had, from Jamal Murray all the way to Paul Millsap, Will Barton, Malik Beasley, Michael Porter Jr. was only able to average seven points a game. The Knicks right now, we don't even have a point guard. Even in Kevin Knox's rookie season to sophomore season, there's no setup man. So if Michael Porter Jr. is putting up the type of numbers, seven points a game, four rebounds, with all that talent imagine if he was on the knicks his numbers will look very similar to kevin knox's numbers which kevin knox only averaged about six points a game and two rebounds so to my fellow nick fans don't believe the hype these two guys are still very young one guy might be more available than the other throughout his career that's mainly the difference but another guy has a higher ceiling potentially but we'll see how it plays out it's still too early to call but there's a lot of the fan base talking about we missed out on michael porter jr and there's nothing really to show us that we did and if you don't believe me go check out michael porter jr's game log for 2019 2020 season he played a bunch of games and his numbers look very similar to kevin knox he had a few games where he had a few, you know, 20 point games or whatever, but it was sporadic. So him having a few 30 point games shouldn't be rattling everybody the way it is. Oh, we missed out on Michael Porter Jr. 
No, I don't think so. So Tom Thibodeau this week is continuing Leon Rose's quest to assemble the ultimate CAA Avengers squad as he made another hiring for an assistant coach in Kenny Payne. He's an assistant coach for John Calipari up in Kentucky. And as we all know, Kentucky, John Calipari, Kenny Payne, they're all CAA and they're all really good friends with Leon Rose and William Wesley. It's actually not a bad thing at all. It's a very good connection to have. For the first time ever, I'm telling you, the front office, the coaching staffs, even the relationship from coach to assistant coach, everything is kind of on page. You feel like for the first time ever, the Knicks, it's just, I would say the first time in a long time that everyone's under the same page. Everyone is almost on the same team. Communication should be fluent. Even the addition of adding Kenny Payne to the team is almost like you're getting at the end of the Rubik's Cube and you're almost done. You're starting to see the colors match. We got a guy who's good with communicating with players good at relationship building and development building. So it helps with guys like Kevin Knox and Julius Randle who are already on the team and they both have experience working with this coach already. And it helps us in the future when we get in free agents. You know, this guy has a very good reputation with megastars like Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns already. So you see the pieces are starting to fit. It's starting to make a lot of sense. It's been a long time since we've seen operations kind of look like this. It almost feels like Pat Riley kind of stepped in the building and now everybody's marching under one code on some military shit. So Kenny Payne is going to have his work cut out for him. Like I said, back in Kentucky, he worked with Julius Randle already and Kevin Knox. So he's going to have RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson also to work with. And then all them damn first round and second round draft picks that we have coming our way the next couple of years. He's also going to have those to work with. So Tom Thibodeau's first move is not looking too bad. Now, hopefully with all these moves that we're making, they don't go in vain because right now we're sort of in a dilemma situation that's kind of building up slowly as we have young players, but we haven't seen our guys play since March. And now they're talking about the season is going to start only in December 1st, which is already a long layoff, but potentially because there's no vaccine right now or anything because of the pandemic. The league right now is considering starting either on Christmas or even after Christmas. And when I say after Christmas, I'm not talking about maybe after MLK Day. I'm talking about all the way to next March. So that's almost a year of our young guys being laid off with no competition. Now, the reason why they're considering a possible delay is that a lot of small market teams that don't have those large local TV deals really rely on that fan revenue. And the 40 home games they get a year, it really affects their bottom line. And if they don't get those 40 home games, they're going to be asking players to take a pay cut. So the league is trying to figure out ways to somehow get back some of that revenue. Now, fan attendance, ticket sales, jerseys, all that, it's about 40% of league revenue. So with the league trying to figure out the financials, it's the season will most likely get pushed back as they're hoping that they're going to possibly find a vaccine or somehow distribute the vaccine to all the citizens, which most likely won't happen in that short time frame. Also, the league was very pressed about starting next season right away on December 1st is because they wanted to finish it in time for the Olympics. And now with the Olympics not happening, the league is not pressed for time to rush through next season. So they're going to most likely delay it and try to figure out ways to recoup revenue because they can salvage what they can for this season because they were almost already finished with it. But next season is the real deal breaker. A lot of these small market teams, they do not want to continue on unless players are willing to take pay cuts. So there's going to be a lot of politicking and it's going to affect a lot of our young guys because they're pretty much possibly not really going to see court action for almost a year. Now, because we didn't make the bubble, 
along with the seven other teams that didn't make it, were not allowed to hold any type of camps unless we sort of imitate the same exact bubble that they have in Orlando. And that's very expensive for teams to do that without collecting any type of revenue off of it. So this is pretty much the crossroads that we're at right now. The league is still trying to figure out ways to help the other eight teams that didn't make the bubble by possibly having a second bubble. They spoke about it possibly being in Chicago, where it's going to be two weeks of just training camps, and then all the teams play about four games. And remember, one of the eight teams that's affected is not just small market teams, but you can look at the Golden State Warriors with Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson. Those are major figures in the league. The league does not want these guys to not have competition or hit the court in like a year. So there's major implications. So it's almost like these eight teams, including us, we got left out. And right now we're sort of standing on the side trying to figure out, hey, you know, what's going on here? We have to get our guys back into shape, back into game shape, competition, all that. All that factors in. We can't have guys laid off like that for a whole year. Because in order to do just a small little training camp you have to have your own bubble which is expensive it just doesn't make any sense but then there's no other solution the league is given so having players especially young players just doing cone drills and just basic drills for a whole year it doesn't really make any sense it's not really feasible the league is definitely going to have to look into this and not forget the other teams Last but not least, David Fisdale spoke to Darius Miles and Q Richardson about his experiences in New York, and it's very unfortunate what happened to him. Steve Mills basically had him looking like the fall guy. He never got set up with a point guard. Got Trey Burke, Emmanuel Moutier. Things just never seemed to go right from there. And Steve Mills struck out in free agency. It's just a lot of fuckery on Steve Mills' part. Like I said, he's James Dolan's money guy. He made a lot of money for Master Square Garden as far as sponsorship, the business side of basketball. But as far as getting personnel, he's been messing up for years. And he's still part of the Knicks organization, more on the business side now. But it's very unfortunate what happened to Fizdale. But, you know, he kept a cool face. This guy's living his best life. His hairline grew back. He got the Tory Lane special. He's having a baby. I mean, shout out to David Fizdale. You guys check it out. It was a difficult job. A lot of people yeah, had, of had crashed and burned. And, you know, I knew I was taking on a monster. And so, you know... I, have, I mentally prepared myself for it and just said, you know what, whatever comes my way, whether it's the media killing me or, you know, you know, ex-players or, or, or whatever, the fans, like, deal with it. Like, you, you've been through harder stuff than this. You know, the bottom line is you standing yeah, in, yeah. The, in the garden getting mm -hmm. to coach every single night. And, you know, for the most part, is even though we stunk, yeah. I had incredible support from the fans. Like, unbelievable support. You know, you got a couple of dudes here and there that – might send your wife a tweet or something or something crazy like that. But at the end of the day, man, every time I walked in that arena, man, fans was like 100. And because I always was honest with the fan base. Like, I didn't try to sugarcoat stuff. I never blamed the players for what was going on around us. Like, I always just told it how it was. And I think New York fans appreciated that, like, that I wasn't there bullshitting them. I was there just trying to give them, this, you know, the deal. You know, ultimately, we just didn't win enough games. And, and, you know, as a coach, I take ownership of that. You know, that's I ain't putting right. that on my players. I take ownership of that. And so if they had to make a decision that to change me out, yeah, so be it. But I wasn't putting it on the front office, and I wasn't putting it on the players or the owner and all of that other stuff that other people want to do and make it about. And I appreciate people having my back. But at the end of the day, I'm the coach. And I take mm -hmm. ownership of what how that team performs. And my team wasn't performing at a high enough level uh, at the rate that the team wanted it to play at. So, you know, I'm grateful that they gave me the opportunity. I'm just hoping that I didn't lose so many games that I don't get to sit in that seat again because I really felt like I can do it. 
you know, I, and I, Memphis, <laughs> I proved that I can do it. Yeah. And uh, I just want that opportunity again because I just learned after that situation, I learned so much more that I think I got a lot to give to the next job that I get. Now, if I can get to just the right pieces in place, boy. And hopefully he will get another opportunity. But in the meantime, he got the Knicks head coach special, which is about two to three years paid vacation. You know, about to have a baby. It is what it is. Enjoy life. And hopefully he will create more Fizz kids. By the way, I'll be covering these crazy ass playoffs and my other channel, Orange Cookies, and everything that's going on around the league. You guys could check it out in the description below. But until next time, you guys stay safe, especially in these Rona streets. Peace.